There's some days that you never forget things that happen in your life. I had one several years ago. It was a Saturday, it was in the summer, brutally hot outside, and I decided I just need to take a walk just to get some exercise, clear my head. About two blocks into my walk, my phone rang, and it was the emergency line. I got a call to visit this man who was in the hospital, he was dying of cancer. And the person on the other end of the phone told me he doesn't have long to live, so you really need to hurry, Father. So I immediately went home, got changed, and went straight to the hospital. I knew it was going to be a powerful experience when I entered his room. He was by the window, and there was another bed before that. So I had to walk past the other bed to get to him. And as I did that, that first patient who I had to walk past, as soon as he saw me, he began to scream obscenities at me. He was so filled with rage just at my appearance, at my sight in his room. He literally began to foam at the mouth like an animal who has rabies. It was absolutely jarring. I have never seen anything like it since or before that. As I reflected on that experience afterwards, I knew very clearly that it was a manifestation of evil, that Satan was trying to scare me from going and visiting that man that I came to see, whom for the sake of this homily we'll call George. When I finally got to George's bedside, I saw a very weak, frail man who was suffering. George knew he was going to die, and I knew he was going to die. And we talked for a while, just basic pleasantries, getting to know one another. And then we got down to the real stuff. George had been away from the faith for his entire adult life. To say that he lived an immoral life was putting it mildly. You have no idea. I heard the most beautiful confession that I've ever heard in my life. I anointed him and I gave him the Eucharist, the body and blood of our Lord. For the first time in decades, George's soul was in a state of grace. He was ready to meet God. He was prepared for eternal life. His cancer literally saved his life. His suffering led to his eternal health. And God was so good to George. He used cancer to get his beloved son back in the fold. His suffering led to his conversion and his redemption. It was a beautiful day. Prior to Jesus coming to earth and dying on the cross, suffering made no sense. But because Jesus took on our sin, which automatically causes suffering, he gave meaning to our suffering. His suffering led to the resurrection. His suffering led to the ascension. His suffering led to all of us having hope. I think there are two ways to look at human suffering. The first looks at someone who is suffering and almost points at him and says, where is God in this suffering? A good God would not allow this. Therefore, God does not exist. And that's the conclusion a lot make. That's the conclusion that the soldiers made and the scribes and the Pharisees as they stood there looking at Jesus dying on the cross. If he is truly God, come down from the cross. 
God would not suffer. Jesus suffered, he remained on the cross, therefore he wasn't God. They mistakenly thought that suffering was only a sign of defeat, that it was a sign of weakness, that it was an end of itself. Ironically, these people who were religious leaders didn't read scripture very well. They never really pondered today's first reading from Isaiah. When Isaiah prophesied about Jesus, the suffering servant, and said this, through his suffering, my servant shall justify many, and their guilt he shall bear. Isaiah also said, because of his affliction, he shall see the light in fullness of days. On the cross, Jesus took all of our suffering and gave it meaning, namely, redemption. That's why the Blessed Mother could stand by Jesus on the cross and see blood dripping down his broken and literally shredded body while her own immaculate heart was torn to pieces and yet see God in him. Most could only see a bloody, defeated corpse, but Mary saw through the blood and the brokenness and the suffering and saw divinity. The second way to look at human suffering is this. It's to look at someone and say, I see Jesus in that suffering. Mary knew that the cross wasn't the end. She knew that her son Jesus was God. She knew that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. And so she could stare at the face of suffering and not be destroyed. She saw through the suffering and she saw into the future, redemption. And that's the power of the virtue of hope. Hope allows us to see through the suffering and into the future. Redemption. Heaven. Perfection. Jesus' crucifixion guarantees that anyone who believes in him and lives that life of faith. So you need both. We need to believe, and then we need to conform ourselves to that belief, and we need to live it. But anyone who does that is guaranteed redemption. Heaven. That's our hope. And that hope is far greater than any human suffering. And it changes the way we see suffering and also the way we endure our own suffering. That no matter what we have to endure, we know that there is something beyond this life. We know that there is heaven. We know that there is perfection. We know that God exists. And suffering cannot rob us of that promise. And in fact, Jesus continues to use suffering to even bring good out of it. Had George not come down with cancer, what would have happened to him? Maybe he never would have repented. I don't think he would have. Maybe he never would have gone to confession. His soul may have been lost for all of eternity. Praise God for his suffering. That's why Isaiah could say that the Lord was pleased to crush his son in infirmity. God the Father is not a masochist. He was pleased to see his son suffer only because he knew he was taking on our suffering and that we could be saved. I challenge all of us to rethink the way we look at suffering. The next time we see someone in pain, 
let's not say, where is God in this? As if the suffering was the end. Instead, could we not say, I see God in this person's suffering? And because I see God in the suffering, there's hope. This is not the end. And then we can be the ones who give that person the hope that we know, which is Jesus Christ. We can be the one that explains to that person what he did for us and why there's always hope. George and I spent 20 minutes together on one summer Saturday afternoon. I got to see our Lord in him, and I will never be the same because of it. I thank God for George. I thank God for his cancer because it led to his salvation. God is so good that he even gives meaning to our suffering.